It's great to have you here today, and we're going to talk a little bit about fear. The title of this message is Fear Not, and I know our mothers all teach us different things, and uh, hopefully some good things, maybe even some negative things. We're going to talk a little about anxiety, fear, worry, but mothers do teach us some things, and I got my mom to uh, sit down and just go over a few of the top ten things that uh, she taught me, and maybe they'll, you'll relate to those things. Maybe your mom taught you these too. This is actually my mom. Mothers teach us about foresight. Make sure you have clean underwear in case you have an accident. Mothers teach us about logic. If you fall out of the tree and break your neck, don't come crying to me. Mothers teach us about maturity. Eat your vegetables or you'll never grow up. Mothers teach us about religion. You better pray that comes out of this carpet. Mothers teach us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock in the middle of next week. Mothers teach us about contradictions. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. Mothers teach us about perseverance. You're going to sit there until you eat every last piece of that broccoli. Mothers teach us about genetics. You're just like your father. Mothers teach us about the weather. Looks like a tornado swept through your room. And the number one thing mom teaches us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Amen. Hallelujah. I do have the best mom. She literally do anything for me, as you can see. Well, I might see if I'm in the right place here. Do we have any Bible-carrying people? Have people still bring their Bibles to church, even with all the technology? If you do, hold them up, shake them a little bit, make the bookstores glad and the devil mad. Hopefully no dust falls off in your neighbor. And let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Do you get it or not? Okay. This is a spiritual weapon, right? So if you believe that, repeat after me. Say, this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflator. No, let's, let's try that again. This Bible's a truth detector, a faith inflator. I lost it today. Can you help me, Sharon? Well, do this. If you believe that this really is the Word of God and it has power, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> Say, fear not. Here's the scripture we're going to base this message on today. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Father, we do bless you. Lord, we just stand here before you and just ask you to speak to our hearts. And Father, I pray I'll be able to kind of stay out of the way. And Holy Spirit, you'll really be able to communicate what you want to communicate. And we just thank you for your anointing and your presence that's been here. And Lord, we just say fear you'll not have place in our life. And we just bind every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief in this room and release faith, trust, and confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, first of all, the word phobia means fear of something. And you can Google and find out 
you can be afraid of everything. There could be a, a fear of speakers. There could be, I mean, just about anything that was made, there can be a fear of. It's kind of crazy. A matter of fact, decidophobia is the fear of making decisions. Ecclesiophobia is the fear of churches. Looks like most of you fought through that fear and made it here today. Then there's homilophobia, the fear of sermons. I see people leaving right now, but, uh, but some people have fear of whatever. There's helenologophobia. That's the fear of Greek meanings or scientific terms. Now, you won't have to worry much from me about that kind of stuff, so you're safe there. But what about future phobia? There's not really a term, a phobia term coined for future, but we just kind of use that to kind of talk about fear of the future, and it's not an official term, but future phobia. You know, there's going to be a lot of fear of what's around the corner about the future. You could just be a new mom and those worries about, you know, your little baby or your baby you're expecting. Or you could be in your later years and just, you know, worried about, you know, your children that are already grown up. You could be in a situation where you're just graduating from high school or college and, and you look at the job market and it doesn't look very good. But you just look at our nation right now and it's a time that can be very fearful. There's a real dividing line. Uh, not only coming to our nation, but even within the church. And you look at what the Word of God says, I believe we're in the end times, even according to this scripture, 2 Timothy 3.1. But know that, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Another way to describe that, another version is times of stress. How many can sense those times of stress? It says, for men will be lovers of themselves. No applause yet from the ladies. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. These can be times of stress. And just what's happened recently in our nation, I mean, just the statement our president made, uh, about gay marriages, you just look on Facebook now, and it's just blowing up. I mean, there's people that call themselves Christians that take this side. There's people that call themselves Christians that take this side. I'm not even going to get into the issue today. But you can see there's kind of chaos and times of uncertainty, economically, politically, all kinds of things going on. And there are times of stress. Did a search, and you find Livestrong.com, the top ten causes for stress. Number one is childhood trauma. A lot of times you have a trauma as a childhood, it can just carry on through your life. And you just have fears and worries all through life. Death of a loved one. I know there's people in this room that have experienced this just recently. Divorce, finances, job, health, personal relationships, a chronically ill child, pregnancy, danger. All these things can cause us stress. And you look on the next page of Live Strong and you just break it down to the five major stresses. And it's work, relationships, life changes, environment. But this last one really stood out. Self-generated. Listen to what it said right below that, under that self-generated. Stress also can be caused by a person's inner thinking. For example, unrealistic expectations and perfectionism can make events in which a person did not realize his ideals even more stressful. Pessimism and negative self-talk also can cause stress. You know, sometimes you've got psychiatrists, psychologists trying to figure out what causes stress. And the, I mean, it actually says in the Word of God as you'll find out here as I, I go. But what comes out of our mouth can a lot of times determine our future. It can definitely create an atmosphere that we have to live under. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Young people, your tongue can actually determine your future. 
how you respond to people. We've got people in our youth group that I have known that are in jail right now or have been in jail because of their tongue. Uh, saying the wrong thing to the wrong person or to the right person at the wrong time, whatever the case may be, and got themselves in trouble. But really, what comes out of your mouth? It needs to be blessings. It needs to be encouragement because I'm telling you, the enemy wants to come and use those words against you. Now listen to the same verse we read, Philippians 4. We read it in the New King James. Now listen to it in the Message Bible. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle down on you. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. See, God always has an answer. Instead of doing this, do this. Instead of worrying, pray. But we know what it's like. Matter of fact, there was a young man who was very worried. This was in the older days. He had a hay full of... Uh, a trailer full of hay, a wagon full, and as he went by his farmer's house, somehow it tipped over, and he's just out there crying. The farmer comes out, and he's just worried. He's afraid what his dad's going to say, what his dad's going to do. And the farmer said, just relax. He said, we have dinner ready. Why don't you come in and eat? And then if you eat, uh, you'll feel better, and we'll go out and take care of this situation. But you don't understand. I'm just so afraid. I mean, I'm just so worried. My dad, he's just going to yell at me. He said, no, and he go, they go back and forth. Finally, the young man goes into the farmer's house, sits down. He says, oh, I'm just so worried. He said, well, just go ahead and eat. So they eat. The farmer looks at him and says, now, don't you feel a little better? And he says, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I do feel better. He said, well, let's go out and take care of this situation. As a matter of fact, where's your dad? Well, he's under the trailer. He had a reason to be worried, hey? Another man. As he's walking out of the city, he encountered death walking toward the city. And he talks to death. And like, what are you doing here? He said, well, I've come to take 100 people's lives. And the man said, that's horrible. You can't do that. He said, well, I'm death. That's how I roll. That's what I do. And so we see into the city, the man takes off running. He goes to the city, and he begins to warn people that death is coming. going to take 100 lives. He tries to tell everybody in the city. Well, nightfall comes, and death is leaving, and the man meets him and says, uh, you know, it was just horrible. You know, I know you said you were going to take 100 lives, but 1,000 people died. He said, how did that happen? He said, well, I kept my word. I only took 100 people. Worry took the rest of them. Think about it. Matter of fact, Norman, I don't know if I said this, but Norman Vincent Peale gives this description. He said, the word worry is derived from an old Anglo-Saxon word meaning to strangle or to choke. I mean, you think about that. That's a good definition when you see how it can stop people in their tracks. I mean, I've got out my video cameras. Hey, would you do a little testimony or would you tell them? And, man, some people just begin to choke right then. Uh, and I know what that's like because, man, I was just fearful as could be to speak in front of people or do anything. I'll tell you a little more about the at the end of the service. But the Greek word, when we're talking about worry, that word is merimnoa, which translated means to be drawn in two different directions. In other words, worry pulls you apart. And that verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting your cares on Him because He cares for you, casting your worries on Him, that word cares is, the, is about the same Greek word, the root word, it's merimna. And don't get all Helenologophobia on me about Greek words. It's my last one here. But it means things that divide the mind. Think how fear and worry comes in. It literally drives a wedge in your mind, a, a, a dividing line. And what is the great battle that we are in? I mean, there's 
a devil out there, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's not like, I know he attacks your marriage, he attacks uh, relationships and health, but he doesn't necessarily uh, need your money. The wicked are pretty wealthy even right now. He doesn't necessarily need your marriage. I mean, over half the marriages, even in church, come into divorce. But what's he after? And I've said this in other messages. He's after your faith. That's what he wants, because if he can get your faith, get you to move in fear, and take the faith away, you can't pull anything out of heaven. Everything we do is to do with faith. That's how we trust Christ, by faith. I mean, by faith. Look at Hebrews 11. Abraham stood, and by faith, Moses. You know, it goes on and on. Faith is everything we have that pulls things out of heaven. That's why this is such a big issue. And I kind of want somebody who's dealt with this personally, a real-life story. I want my wife, Sharon, to come up. And she's just going to share a little bit how God walked her through some situations and had helped her help get victory over this thing called fear. Shall I read this verse first? Okay, Psalm 91. This is a powerful... How many are familiar with Psalm 91? If not, if you struggle with fear, worry, whatever, or just want to declare protection over your family or children, this is the one to use. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust... Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor, any, uh, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Now, that is so powerful, powerful. And I, I know growing up, I really wasn't that fearful. It wasn't until I had kids that this fear came on me. And, I mean, it, it was not just, oh, I'm worried. No, I mean, it was a consuming type of a fear And my kids had health issues, so there were some real things to worry about, but it was more than that. You know, I I mean, I was always concerned about it had to be right by me. You know how you always make fun of the lady with the leash on her kids? Well, that was me. (laughs) I was afraid I was going to lose them. At night, I would wake up, and I would check all the doors and the windows, and I'd check them. You know, it it was an obsessive fear. And once I was saved, and I realized this is sin. This is what it is. It's sin to fear like this because it's the opposite of faith. So I got hold of Psalm 91. I heard the story about a platoon that had come back from the service, the only platoon that came back that they were, nobody was maimed or injured and everyone, of course, lived. And it was the only one. And they read Psalm 91 every day. And I thought, oh, let me get this. So I started reading it. I read it twice a day. I would read it and really trying to get this in my spirit. And it did. You know, it really did. But, um, you know, things come up. And we lived in San Antonio at the time. And Mike was going to be gone for, uh, it was, we didn't know how long. It was definitely going to be a week. And I had no family there. We had, knew a few neighbors, a few church people. And at that time, I had a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a nine-month-old. And he was leaving, and I just, oh, here, you know, all this stuff tries to come on you, but no, I'm in my Psalm 91. And the first day he's gone, it's a Saturday, and at noon, which has never happened, my daughter Amanda had a major asthma attack. 
And I just, oh my gosh, so I rushed to the emergency room and we're in there all afternoon. They're giving her shots and breathing treatments and finally got it under control. And we come home and seems like things are settling down. And then I put them all in my bed at night. And Jessica, she was just, I think she might've been nine months old. She stood up and threw up all over us. And so, oh, here we go, God, I'm here by myself. Um, so I move everybody out of the living room and I'm walking around trying to, trying to ease Jessica. I don't know what she was sick. And I was nursing her and walking around the house and we made it through the night. And, uh, the next day, this lady from our church calls and I know her from church and she does call periodically because all she does is she prays, she reads the word, she prays, she reads the word, she calls people and ministers to them. I mean, this woman is in the word. So we're talking and I told her, she asked me how I was doing. She knew Mike was gone. And um, I said, well, you know, it was a pretty rough night, but I made it. I'm okay. And then the doorbell rings and she said, oh. and I said, what? <laughs> she said, don't answer the door. Go look and see who it is, but don't answer the door. So I looked out and I came back and I said, well, it's our next door neighbor. She said, he, uh-uh, don't answer the door. Don't let him in. He was watching you last night through the window. And I said, What? You know, you're thinking, ah, how could she know this? What? And she said, what? why don't you have curtains on the back of your windows? And there's no way she could have known this. We lived in a cul-de-sac, and we had a privacy fence, and there was nothing behind us, and we never put curtains up. And then she said, why were you walking around the house with your shirt up? And I said, well, oh, my gosh, I was nursing the baby. I was walking her around trying to, trying to get her to feel better. And, I, you know, by then I am freaking out. <laughs> and she said, oh, but don't worry. And I was like, don't worry, what? She said, no, no. She said, until that doorbell rang, I'd totally forgotten that God had woke me up in the middle of the night and showed me this, and I was praying for you. He saw it all. He showed it to me. I was interceding for you. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Just, you know, stay away from your neighbor. Put some curtains up. She did say that. Put some curtains on your windows. <laughs> but, uh, you know, after I calmed down, you know, I looked at Psalm 91, and I said, oh, Lord, what's going on here? And said, I will not fear the peril of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that strikes at noonday. You know, and I'm thinking, really, an asthma attack at noon, really. And it was all right there. Uh, I mean, he didn't say we wouldn't have trouble. At the end of this, you know, of Psalm 91, he says, because you love me, says the Lord, I will rescue you. I will protect you because you acknowledge my name. If you call upon me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. He said he will be there, and he was. And it was just such a revelation to me. I had to walk through that awful experience to realize that he was there the whole time. I mean, things happen every day, but he is there. There's no need to worry about it. He's got your back. He's going to take care of you if you trust in him. I mean, because faith and fear, like you said, they do not coincide together. They are the opposite. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So. Thank you, Sharon. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So you can be in a situation where maybe you're in a little hopeless situation. There's maybe fear of the future. But I want to encourage and remind us all that fear is a giant that's got to be taken out. It really is. Fear is the great villain of faith. And maybe there's a lack of faith for the future or uncertainty of the future. But I want you to think about the children of Israel. They came to a place. God had promises for them. And they come to this place where they're stopped in their tracks. And they can't go any farther. They're just scared to death. Why? Because of one man. One big man. 
by the name of Goliath. And he's there taunting them, and they are just frozen. They're being choked and strangled by fear. And nobody wants to go against them. And then we got this little boy named David who picks up five smooth stones, and the Bible says he runs at that giant. Now, that same lady, Sister Mary, the lady in San Antonio that's a prayer warrior, kind of a what I call a spiritual traffic controller that just intercedes and prays for people, she had been teaching me some things and, and just pouring into my life. But she asked me about these five stones that David picked up. And specifically, the one that, she, that he threw that knocked the devil out. And she says, you know what that stone was called? You know what was written on that stone? I said, I don't know. What was it? She said, I am faithful. That stone is God is faithful. I mean, you think of that. That's the only stone you need. If you have that one stone, I wish I could have got our kids to take markers and and write on a, a little smooth stone and give to every one of you today. And some of you might just need to do that. Get home, take a magic marker, and just write, God is faithful, and keep it in your pocket. So when you worry or something, you just reach down, and it's right there. Because God is faithful. Can anybody say amen? Because I'm telling you, Goliath represents those fears and things that are, that are in between you and your destiny, in between you and your future, the future of your children, or some things that are going on, or maybe your future promotion you're supposed to be getting. And I'm telling you, we all have spiders in our life. You know, arachnophobia, fear of spiders, some things. Let's watch a little video about a little kid with some fear of spider here. Michael, come on, look, come here, let me tell you. You're 10 years old, and it's time I teach you how to kill a spider the right way, all right? The most efficient way to, to crush a spider. All right, you're getting a good magazine. It doesn't matter what you use. Some people like to use life or time to kill a spider the right way. So I'm going to roll this up good and tight so you get a good grip on it. You get a bead on the spider, you get a side swing. That's where you can really, like, get some good action going. And you want to come across like that so you really crush it, you know? And you come across this way so it, you get his whole escape route in case he try to go. You take it. And you whack it. Go on, whack the spider. I don't want to whack it. Come on, you got to whack the spider, Mike. Whack it. Dad, I'm afraid of spiders. I can't whack it. Let me explain something to you. All your life you're going to be facing spiders, okay? I am. What I'm trying to say is you should never be afraid. Don't be afraid of anything. People know you're scared. They use that against you. I'm not scared of anything. I'm your dad, right? You're my son. You whack that spider. Come on, whack it. I can't whack the spider. Yes, you can. Come on, whack it. Come on, you can do it. Whack the spider, son. I don't want to whack. Yes, you can. Come on, whack. I don't want to whack. Well, kill the spider. I can't whack. Kill the spider. Dad, I can't crush it. I can't whack it. I can't do it. Hey. There. Happy? No, I'm not happy, Megan. I was trying to make a point to your brother about how it's important to whack your own spiders. Whatever. Amen. You know, we all got some spiders we need to whack, don't we? But you need to get this magazine right here. The Word of God. Because I'm telling you, this is the only thing the enemy will bow down to, is the Word of God. And it's a uh, matter of fact, we've got some little booklets we're going to give the mothers at the end of the service. And they're those little prayer books from Linnell that just basically have the Word of God in it and prayers you can pray. But I want to encourage you, speak the Word out loud. It can make a difference. It can change the atmosphere. It really can. But sometimes God can use our fears and situations to actually increase our faith. It causes us to lean on the Lord, just to trust Him. And a matter of fact, in the book of Mark, chapter 4, 
verse 35. This is a story where Jesus is telling his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. So he says, we're going from point A to point B. But they get in the middle, and what happens? There's a storm. Water's coming into the boat. Jesus is asleep, and they start to freak out. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So Jesus looks up. He rebukes the storm. Peace be still. But then he said this to him: Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? In Matthew 8, the same story, but it translates it the way it says it. O ye of little faith, or underdeveloped faith. Hopefully, you're growing in your faith. Hopefully, you're growing in trusting your Lord and trusting, your, and trusting God in situations. But in the midst of that, you need to understand, if, how many could use more faith? We'd all use more faith. But how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why it's so important to get into this magazine and realize what it says. And not only just get it in, but speak it out. There's power when you speak this Word out loud. But you need to build. It's kind of like building a house around you, a spiritual house, because we all have places or things we go to when we begin to just get worried or stressed out. Uh, when you're little, maybe you have the little security blanket that you kind of have or you take with it with you. We had uh, our first daughter was born premature, two and a half months, and all kinds of medical complications and, and said she wouldn't walk or talk. And most of you know the story where God did a miracle and, uh, and just an uh, amazing miracle. But we had a thing called Lammy. It was a lambskin that when she was in the little incubator that she'd lay on that. And she just kept this thing. And we, wherever we went, Lammy would go with us. And it was about so big. And we got to the place she's getting a little older. We're just getting tired of it. So we cut it in half. And wait a few months, cut it in half again. Just kept cutting it in half until we got down to this little piece. But even that little piece, she'd just hold on to it and just kind of rub it and just play with it. And just that sense of security. Or maybe it's your tough day at work or whatever's going on. If you can just get home. Sometimes you just kind of get home and, and you have kind of a little of that peace. Or, or maybe you have a spouse you can go to and, and just a hug or something. Whatever it is. But whether you're single, whether you're married or not, we all have a place we can run to. We can run to a strong tower. We can run under the shadow of the wing of the Almighty. He's there for every one of us. He really is. Even Joshua. I mean, he's getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. His predecessor, his leader, Moses, his mentor, died, wasn't going to go with him. So he's got the responsibility of leading all of them across the Jordan at flood time over into a place where, man, there's great blessings, giant grapes, all sorts of, all the, it represents all the promises of God. But he also knew lions and tigers and bears, oh my. No, giants, fortified cities, all sorts of things. But yet God comes to him, and in the book of Joshua, he says, Joshua, I know you're crossing over. This is a new thing, never been there. But be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And there's some of you in this room right now, you sensing a crossing over. It could be into a new level uh, in school for some of you going to a new grade or to college or off to a job. It could be some of you that have been in a, a job and, and God's asking you to step out or into a promotion or into a sense of ministry where you're thinking, I, and I don't have anything to offer, but God's just needing you there to be able to use you. And God's saying, fear not, I am with you, be strong, courageous, be strong and courageous, but you need to build this house around you, that place of security. And the same lady taught me 20-some years ago that I, when I get up in the morning, 
I, I just begin to speak the word of God. One of the first verses I say when I get up is this scripture in Psalm 91. That no evil will befall me, no plague come near my dwelling, for he will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. And so then I pray, according to the word of God, there's angels that are sent to the minister to the needs of the saints. So I pray, angels, go forth and minister to needs. And I list my family members. I list people that are uh, ministry people from San Antonio, people that are in this church. I just speak their names out and pray angels minister their needs. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I'm kind of building me a fence. So we have a privacy fence at our house to keep the dogs in and to keep all the other animals out. And I'm telling you, you can build a spiritual fence. But then you can even go too far with that. Listen to Psalm uh, 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. So, I mean, I could pray all day long. But, I mean, I just want to make that statement so I know and the enemy knows where I'm putting my trust. It's in God. And I'm going to trust God the rest of the day and be sensitive to hear his voice if I need to avoid something or not go somewhere. Has anybody kept somebody out of trouble or out of dangerous situations and saved you from situations? I'm telling you, he wants to watch over you. But we've got to trust God for our future. He's got to be security. But when you, when you begin to build that little hedge around your life, even in your morning prayer time or just the way you, your life is and you're trusting God and, and speaking the word, it'll just make like a fence around your house. But fear is sin, and sin will poke a hole in that hedge. It'll knock a hole in that fence. And when you have a hole in your fence, things can go out and things can come in. And the enemy's looking for that opportunity. He even told Jesus after he basically offered Jesus some things and tried to tempt him. And how did Jesus respond? It is written. And he spoke the word of God. And then he spoke the word of God. And then he spoke the word of God. And then Satan said, I think I'm going to have to go on vacation and come back at a more opportune time. When there's some fear here that I can have access to him. So fear can give the enemy access. That's why it's so important. And matter of fact, Jesus says in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. He says it several times. And he talks about a comforter. He says, I was talking to his disciples because he's leaving. He said, but this is going to be good for you because I'm going, but I'm sending somebody, a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will teach you things, who will comfort you, who will guide you in all truth. Because fear is a choice, just like trusting God is a choice. And God always gives us the answer. And we all deal with fear. It, all, it comes upon every one of us. Not one person's exempt. We all deal with it. But what do you do when it comes? Because we immediately start in the worry mode. But see, you can stay there or you can shift, like it says in Philippians 4, to go to the prayer mode. And that's the thing you need to do that I want to remind you and encourage you today. So you need to starve your doubts. You need to feed your faith. Then you struggle with depression. Because I'm telling you, if you got worry, it's going to go to that level because Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. There's psychologists, psychiatrists, all kinds of people figuring out what it is. Right there's one answer. When you have fear and worry and anxiety, it's going to cause depression. But God always gives us the answer. Proverbs 16, 20, and whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Somebody happy, it sounds like they're not too worried, right? Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry, be happy. One more scripture before we close. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not. Matter of fact, let's all say this together. It's on the screen. Let us say it together and just with me, but let's say it three times. Okay? Let's go. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes you say it one time, you're kind of going, okay. Then you say it again, you go, oh, yeah. And then the third time, it's like, okay, yes, in the name of Jesus. Devil, you're not going to harass me. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back up. You know, I'm going to go forward. Amen? So let faith fight for you. So sometimes you're going to have to get out this magazine and whack some spiders. Right? Just take this word and whack them. You're going to have to get out that smooth stone that says what? God is faithful. And just run toward that giant. Or you might be at that situation where you're like Joshua, and you're just going to have to step into that Jordan River. And trust that that thing just stops and you're able to cross into that next level God has for you. Because God is saying, be strong, be courageous, I'm there with you. Or maybe it's like the situation with the boat. The storms are coming. You're in the middle of a situation right now. But Jesus is in the boat. Amen? And he'll say, peace be still. And he'll say this to you. Hey, we are going to the other side. So remember that. He didn't bring you out this far to let you... You know, to let you go back. He didn't teach you to swim to let you drown. He's going to bring you through this. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray over here. We're going to invite the mothers up. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we're all in different situations here, going through different things. But, Lord, you see every one of us. You know every hair on our head. You know every situation we're going through. And, again... We just bind that spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, and we release faith, trust, and confidence. Lord, give us that ability, Holy Spirit, to just be able to encourage ourselves when necessary. Lord, to be able to just trust you, to be able to speak out into the atmosphere what your word says over the situation. So, Father, we just thank you right now that you're here to guide us, you're here to, you're here to lead us, and you're a good daddy. Just say that. You're a good daddy. You're a good daddy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus one more hand clap. Hallelujah. Here's where we're going to close. I want all mothers to make your way up here and just come and stand around the altar. we got this gift we want to give you. But as they're coming, we're going to watch a little video of some of our children in church saying something special to their mom. So all moms, come forward. Amen. Let's give all of our moms one more hand today. If you just kind of squeeze in the best you can. If you don't have a booklet yet, if you hold up your hand, we'll have one of our workers get you a booklet. Let me, can I see one of those in a minute? You know, I looked at this. This is Linnell's book, and it's just got scripture and prayers. And I just looked at the last page, and guess what the last page is? Worry and anxiety. It's got that scripture we had. You can just speak it out. And that's a little gift for all of you. The rest of the extra ones, uh, where they're going to Africa, I think, some of those books, and, and going to be blessed down there. Let me just pray a prayer over you. And I know... We're all different situations, all different stories here. There's some of you that just, this is one of the most exciting times of your life. Maybe a, a new child or expecting. You could be in a situation where you just lost a mom. Or in a situation where there's, there's, there's a lot, could be a lot of different emotions going on today. But you know, God's grace is here for each one of you. He knows exactly what you're going through. There's no need to look back with regrets. Because today I declare a new day. In the name of Jesus. It really is. It can be a new day. And whatever worries and cares you have before you leave this altar, if you just need to physically act like you're laying them down at the altar, just leave them at the feet of Jesus. 
and then he can help you walk through this just like he helped my wife and there's many other stories in this room let me just declare a blessing over you and and um, then we'll go ahead and close our service out father i thank you for every mother represented here lord those that maybe aren't here right now Lord, we declare a blessing over them lord and we just stand against any spirit of fear that would hold them back that would paralyze them in any way we speak to any storms in their life. We say, peace, be still, in Jesus' name. Again, we bind fear, doubt, and unbelief. We release faith, trust, and confidence. And, Lord, I just pray for a supernatural wisdom that they might need right now. Lord, as Pastor Joe mentioned earlier in our meeting, Lord, there's some mothers here that need some real wisdom as far as what to do with the child. And, Lord, we believe you can give that wisdom to them and speak to them, that they'll have that right amount of salt, be able to speak to them at the right time, in the right situation, whether they're young or old, or even out of their home. We want to thank you right now for your grace. In Jesus' name, I want one other thing here, prayer. You know, I've talked about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit's a comforter. Uh, see, there was a point in my life where I asked Christ into my life, and I received the gift of salvation like some did earlier in the service. But there was also another gift I got. And it was a gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like when you get saved, you have to have the Holy Spirit to get saved for the Holy Spirit to, to bring the fact that you need a Savior. But even though you have the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit. And I'm telling you, that's where my life, fear, was really broken. And I begin to get a boldness just to be a witness and do things. But just begin to look in the book of Acts and about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say one more prayer. And if you just want more of God, basically, and if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, He'll give you a new prayer language. You can communicate to God. and Come to our Connect class if you want to learn more about it or, or one of the, the series we have, the Spirit-Filled Life class. But just right, I'm going to say one more prayer. And if you just want more of God or just want the filling of the Holy Spirit, just kind of hold out your hands or lift them up, and we'll just let God lead you on that journey. Father, I want to thank you. For every woman here today, every man, woman, and child, Lord, anybody in that congregation that's still sitting down that needs the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you'll come right now. I say be filled with the Holy Spirit. I say be filled with the presence of God. I say more of God in their life. Now lead them to this journey, Holy Spirit, that where you can really fill them. Lord, they'll get that new prayer language. Lord, they'll just they'll go into overdrive when it comes to being a witness for you, Lord. So we release power to everyone in this room and fresh filling presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jesus one more hand clap. and We honor you mothers. God bless you. As they're going back to your seats, we're going to have an altar team that's going to wait up here. Um, Pastor Nick and we're just going to have a little worship. But if you want prayer for anything before you go, we're going to hang around a little bit. Uh, whether you're sick in your body, just want prayer for anything, want to agree, we're going to hang around. But otherwise, let's all stand on our feet. We'll give the ladies a chance to make their way back. On the count of three, we're going to say, I love you, Mom, to wherever they're at, and just kind of declare it over everybody. One, two, three. I love you, Mom. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Altars are open if you want prayer for anything. Otherwise, we'll see you Wednesday night. We have a new series that's starting. If you don't have a home group, what's it called, Pastor Nick? Living Free with Robert Morris. Amen. And otherwise, Wednesday night, we'll see you then. God bless. Altars are open.